Hey, what's up, guys? This is Eric for the Diplomacy Podcast, and I just wanted to briefly go over the recap that Hunter gave after capturing Carnage. And if you're looking for more on this, you can actually find uh, this on the blog at diplostrategy.com slash blog. But let me just recap a couple of notes that I found interesting in my short interview with him. So uh, first of all, congratulations, Hunter, on winning Carnage 2019. And also backing that up by winning the European Diplomacy Championship. It's pretty awesome, man. Uh, great work. I'm looking forward to playing against you at one point or with you. Uh, I guess that's the way it goes in diplomacy. You're playing with people and against people. And that's what makes it interesting and, and challenging and tough and emotionally salient, exciting. Really gets the juices flowing. So I asked him three questions. Uh, thank you for answering all of these. And I'll just read a few of the highlights. So the first question was, describe the stories or simply the highlights from each round. Round one, now this is Hunter speaking, round one was my best result, but unexciting for me. I played France and initially wanted to work with Germany because he is a strong player. I almost always moved Paris to Burgundy with support from Marseille as France, so a very safe opening. Um, and that's one of the uh, one of the Maginot um, uh variations i believe uh, but yes very safe because you're going to be guaranteed burgundy you can still pick up portugal and spain and have a say in belgium so here we go back to hunter germany became agitated with me in spring 01 negotiations when i shared my intentions and more so when i followed through so you know becoming uh at least moving into burgundy and and basically also, the the impact of this move is that it, it puts Germany at a little bit of a weakness in terms of his flexibility, right? Because should he be covering Munich now, um, if he's gone to Ruhr, maybe he's played the Rhineland and he has um, Berlin to Munich and Munich to Ruhr. And here he may not be guaranteed Holland because if England has opened north, he could spare a fleet usually to bounce you in Holland if he wanted to. So uh, definitely changes the flexibility of Germany, depending on how he's opened. So I could see that um, from Germany's side of, of the coin as well. Although I'm not, I'm not totally, uh, <clears throat> totally uh, against working with France after he's opened this way um, by any stretch. So, uh, back to Hunter. <laughs> we ended up creating a stalemate line without actually fighting. Meanwhile, Italy, Turkey, and Russia were playing a game of who can throw Austria more dots. Austria must have been doing hero-level diplomacy down there because he built a second fleet in 01 while maintaining an Italian ally. With our eyes in the east, Germany and I agreed that gaining zero centers is worse than gaining centers. So, we made peace and I ordered Mao into the English Channel. To pick up London and Liverpool at just the moment, England overextended himself to Barents, while Germany started shifting towards Austria. This brought me to eight centers in 04, while Austria unexpectedly fell to seven. Draw was proposed, and for some reason, everyone agreed, giving me an uncontested board top. Well done. In round three, I was Germany. France seemed excited to work with me and volunteered to open to the English Channel, which was fine. France decided to move to the North Sea. I took Belgium, Holland, and bound Sweden. 
France built Fleet Bress as his only build, meaning he was wide open, and the English reminded me multiple times to take advantage. Maybe, but heck, if he is going to trust me like that, I'll return the favor. I put down Fleet Keel Army Army with a plan to take Sweden and possibly Norway to counter Russian growth. I was concerned about the ease since Austria was collapsed by 1901 with Russia picking up Romania and Vienna. I expected Russia was likely to get support to Sweden from England and support to Budapest from Turkey, which was a concerning rate of growth and position. I barreled into the Baltic, Prussia, and Silesia to keep that growth in check. France was dislodged from North Sea to Skagrak, and I supported him to Sweden while taking Warsaw to counter Russian growth. England repeatedly vented at my anti-English actions, like going all out against Warsaw. I was open to the idea of working against England once Russia was held in check, but I hadn't done much against England. In any case, France suddenly really, really wanted to make this some Western triple variant. Fine. We decided to have England take St. Pete while I push Russia out of Austria. But England takes Sweden off France in spring of 03 and forces Denmark in fall 04. I was tied for fourth place on this board now. Good for you, England. You got me. Let's see how this works out for you. I easily convinced France, now feeling betrayed, to send his two fleets into Irish and Channel. Meanwhile, I disbanded a Warsaw and loudly exclaimed with an earshot of England and Russia, Hey, Russia, how would you like Norway and Sweden? Can I interest you in Warsaw? How about Kiel? Come on in! While generously beckoning to Russia. With my Warsaw disband, Russia walked in unopposed from Ukraine and was able to move Moss to St. Pete and then Finland. I supported Russian fleet GOB to Sweden. In exchange, I convinced Russia to support me into Italian-held Vienna to bolster my forces against England and weaken Russia's enemies. Over in England, France convoyed into Wales and was about to force Liverpool. Around this time, England walks over and casually suggests that he just remember he does not, excuse me, he does want to work with Germany and France after all. The price, of course, is the return of Denmark plus Sweden to the Germany lands. After several refuses, England finally agrees, since I can pretty much throw the game to RT at this point. I follow through with my end of the deal and turn my attention back to Russia. I walk into French-held Belgium for my seventh thought, a three-way shared board top, and win the tournament. So that seems like a, a pretty delicate uh, bit of diplomacy there when they're shifting allegiances, both responding to the Russian threat, but then uh, keeping enough players on side so that he can make uh, the gains back to the three-way shared with just seven dots. So uh, well played there. Um, a nice little story about uh, beckoning Russia over. Um it seems like that was very delicately balanced, as all uh, German negotiators should be able to do effectively in a game of diplomacy. Next, I ask, what was the hardest decision you faced? Maybe two moments from round two, I played Turkey in an AT alliance. It was profitable, and before long, I was in Ionian, Romania, and Sev with armies in Bull and Rum. Austria had his entire force arrayed against Germany and Italy, leaving Budapest, Serbia, and Greece for my taking in one fall move. I debated a stab, but ultimately decided that maintaining my ally was more important than grabbing a few dots. Uh, yes, I would just say yes to that. Near the end of the same game, a draw proposal went up for a three-way board top, Germany, Austria, Turkey, and I vetoed. I wanted a two-way board top Austria-Turkey because I thought my ally deserved the better score and because Germany was ranked ahead of me in the tournament. 
So can't have him getting the same score as me. I really did want a three-way draw. However, I really did not want a three-way draw. However, after further examination of the board, there wasn't a clear path to get in a two-way board top, and Austria was feeling very nervous. I would stab him, so I took the draw so he wouldn't have to worry. Um, I like that 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 consideration there of the total tournament structure. That's one aspect I really enjoy about tournaments is is there's a multi-game element, and you've got to be uh, paying attention to that because that's going to affect how everyone plays in every every situation. And understanding how people care about their positioning also matters because some people uh, want to do better in the tournament than others. Uh, some people, it seems, will be happy with the top three. Some people are win the tournament or bust kind of folks. Um, so there's a dynamic that one must or would do well to pay attention to. At least that's what I noticed in my only first and, and only so far tournament I've played in in Chicago in 2019, back in April. Next, I ask, will he be going back to Carnage for WDC 2020? He says, definitely. If I could only go to one tournament a year, it would be Carnage. What recommendations might you have for a new tournament players to put themselves in position to win? And he has four suggestions here. So take this away. Uh, I'm taking it away um, myself, especially after he's followed this up with the European Diplomacy Championship win only a few weeks after winning Carnage. Um, here goes. Number one, read all the online strategy articles. Much of the literature is less than perfect, but some of the articles are pretty good. Number two, play a lot online to refine your tactics and try out the strategy articles. See what works and what doesn't. I prefer gunboats due to low time investment. So in terms of the tactics, I 100% agree with that. Um, I think in a face-to-face game, that's where you're going to learn about the communication side of it because we're talking about a face-to-face tournament in, in Carnage next year for the World Diplomacy Championships. Number three, join local house games even if it requires some travel. If there are no local groups, start one, and if you put in the work, you will get there. Number four, travel to as many tournaments as you can. Playing a variety of quality players will teach you a lot, especially if you stick around for post-game analysis and ask experienced players for advice. I agree with all of that. I learned a lot just hearing uh, some input from players who had watched, in particular, my final game in Chicago, and I, I want to definitely want to thank them for that. Um, Brandon Fogel, Jake Trotta, um, Zachary Moore, who I talked to for, you know, the six hour drive back to, to uh, Minneapolis in, in the case of that Chicago tournament. Well, thank you Hunter for that. And congratulations again on capturing carnage. And I hope to see you over the board soon. Just to wrap this episode up, I want to say thank you to everyone who's been listening in um, here on the podcast, as well as over on Twitch where I've been live streaming a few games, which usually go up a few days later on YouTube. Uh, and also to all of you who have gone ahead and picked up the diplomacy book at leanpub.com slash diplomacy. If there are beginners out there, I'm starting to assemble a few resources, uh, which can be accessed for free at diplomacybook.com. That is all I have for you today. I'll see you next week. Thanks a lot. This has been Eric for the diplomacy podcast. Take care.